0: Hi there, and welcome back to the CBN podcast. My name is Steve, and I'm the uh, regional business partner for WA at Community Broker Network. Joining me today is Darren Cook uh, from Chubb to talk about management liability. So, hi there, Darren. Hi there, how are you going? Good, mate. Yourself?
1: Yeah, doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. Um, back in the office at the moment, so that's a, a bit of a change to what it's been in the last few months.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, look, just uh, one, th- you know, thank you for uh, participating in our. In our podcast today, um, so hopefully uh, our listeners can gain some uh, valuable information from from your insights. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. So we're uh, we're crack on. So let's start with the basics. What can you give me? What is management liability? All right, a nice nutshell approach to it.
1: Sure, no problem. Um, so, management liability is, is a package policy um, for private companies. Um, it, it's a policy that was sort of launched in the, launched in the Australian market in the early 2000s um, and was really developed from the traditional directors and officers policies, which were purchased by public companies. Um, and then it was adjusted to suit the needs of SME insurance. Um, so, back then, you know, it, it only included four different coverage sections at the time um, being the directors and officers liability, uh, the employment practices liability. Crime cover and trustees liability, um, and then since then it's expanded to include other covers such as statutory liability, cyber, and kidnap, ransom, and extortion.
0: Okay, awesome. So, who's it really designed to, you know, to cover? What's uh, what's the target market, if if, uh, if that's a better word to put in? It?
1: Sure. No, look, it's, I mean, at its heart, it's still a and O policy um, mm-hmm. designed to protect the directors and officers of the company, um, and it's really around their managerial decisions and the operations um, of the company. You know, and all the legal liability that may arise from those decisions and, and those operations. Um, you know, under Corporations Act, which this policy is very much designed around, you know, it's designed for private companies, um, you know, directors and officers can be held personally liable for breaches of the director's duty um under that act and it's really designed to help, you know, provide some cover if they are accused of breaching those duties, um, the defence costs and, and the like that comes alongside that, um, as well as any sort of damages that may be awarded. Um, you know that coverage is expanded from the traditional de- directors and officers policy, um, and it includes cover for the entity itself, um, and that's the organisation that I guess the directors are, are the directors of. Um, for most SMEs, the entity is really one and the same with the directors. You know, the director in this case is often the, the sole shareholder of the company, and sometimes they're a sole director. So you know, very much for those small entities, you know, the business and the organisation is everything, and is really part of part of the director a lot of the time, right? So. You know, mm. the policy really evolved to ensure that protection extends to the entity itself, um, because realistically, without the entity, you know, the director's, you know, in a little bit of trouble. So, um, yeah, the policy has extended like that historically, um, you know, to, to give protection those SME insured needs. Um, that's not necessarily cover that's offered to uh, larger um, multinational insureds, for instance.
0: So it's kind of like that barrier between the, uh, the company and uh, the director's own assets as such.
1: It, it can be, absolutely. Um, I, I think the the, the challenges that our directors can be personally liable for, for a lot of that stuff. Um, and so having that policy in place helps provide a bit of that barrier and protection um, in the event of, of a claim that comes against the director that's alleging um, a, a breach of their duties.
0: Okay, all right. So, in, uh, in layman's terms, what are the, uh, are, the, are the key areas that a management liability would actually cover? Sure.
1: So the the policy, as I highlighted before, has has six coverage sections. Um, You know, that will vary between insurer, um, but I'll I'll talk to the ones that um, that Chubb provides. Um, From our perspective, the primary section of the cover being the directors and officers cover. You know, that provides cover for the directors and officers and for the organization, um, as as we talked about before. You know, for management negligence, um, one of the things that provides cover for is is occupational health and safety investigations, um, other regulatory investigations, and the and the legal representation expenses that are incurred as, as part of um, defending yourself or representing yourself at an investigation, um, allegations of misrepresentation, um, allegations of unfair trade practices, um, covers tax audit cover as well um, in the event the company is audited. Um, also provides, you know, fines cover for the directors themselves. Um, so if there's a, um, an allegation of a, I guess, um, something that the directors done wrong, um, and you know there's there's a fine levied as a result of that. Um, the, the policy provides cover for that under the directors and officers section, and um, also provides cover for breach of contract claims brought against the directors and officers themselves. Um, you know the coverage here, and you know as we go through some of the other coverage sections, it's about around damages and defence costs. Um, and I think that that's important with defence costs pro- providing a decent portion of the claims that we do pay out um, on on these sort of uh, on the claims under this policy. Uh, the defence costs are, you know, can be quite expensive. Um, the other sections we talked about here, um, the EPL section, which is the Employment Practices Liability section, um, that really provides cover for claims brought by employees against the directors, um, employees against the entity, and employees against other employees. Um, and the, the sort of claims we're talking about there are unfair dismissal, uh, discrimination, harassment, uh, breach of the employment contract, and bullying. Um, you know, plenty of stuff that we've seen press around recently. Uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff around the Me Too movement um, mm-hmm. that we've seen, you know, that sort of stuff go through Hollywood, um, which is still relevant to a lot of other workplaces as well. Uh, the policy also provides some, some protection for claims brought by third parties for discrimination and harassment. So, for instance, if a, uh, a a contractor comes onto site, um, they bring a, you know, they, they feel like they're discriminated against or harassed, um, then there's still a bit of protection for you know, the insured persons there, that being the the directors and the employees um, in that regard as well. So, you know, a bit of extra protection there as part of that cover. Um, The statutory liability coverage section really is an extension of the directors and officers coverage section. Um, It covers fines and penalties against the entity um, and specifically against the entity. Um, As I mentioned before, the directors and officers section covers it where it responds to a fine against the director. Um, But the, the stat section is designed for Clear fines and penalties which are levied against the entity. Um, There's a few caveats to that. These these fines do need to be civil fines. Um, They need to be insurable fines as well. Um, We'll talk about a little bit later how um, some of that is changing around insurability of certain fines. Um, That's that's um, an interesting development that's going on at the moment. Um, There's also a crime coverage section. The crime coverage section covers the loss of the um, the organisation's you know money, security, or properties resulting from employment employee um, theft um, or third party theft um, so third party theft such as you know uh, computer fraud whereby that's perpetrated by a third party um, getting into an insured system and, and transferring money or social engineering fraud whereby a third party induces one of your employees to transfer money to a uh, you know fraudulently so that's um, a couple of the key covers there in the crime section um, we also cover um, cuffs for it, we also cover theft of client funds by an employee as well. Um, there's also cyber section, which is probably one of the things that's a pretty hot topic um, generally. Um, you know, mo- management liability policies don't offer uh, a large array of cyber. You've got your know, uh, standalone cyber policies for that, but there is still cover within the policy for privacy claims, um, cyber extortion, um, or business interruption, which results from a cyber incident. Um, also, includes cover for costs of responding to a cyber incident if that is something that um, the organization suffers. Um, and then the final section is the kidnap and ransom and extortion section. Um, so, cover for, for kidnap, um, uh, you know, where where expats are overseas or traveling, where thereby there's that exposure, um, and extortion cover for threats made against the company. Um, you know, probably not as as relevant in the, in the current environment where people aren't traveling as much, but it's still a a valuable cover, especially where, you know, insurers do have overseas
0: employees. Okay, excellent. I suppose the question on um, most uh, clients lips by the brokers is, I have a small company. Is this a cover that I'm really going to need? I can't see myself claiming on it. Um, So can you give me a bit of uh, a response to that that generic question that seems to be getting chucked out left, right and centre at the moment?
1: Sure, absolutely right. Um, look, there's an ever increasing exposure to legal, statutory, and employee costs, which apply to all, all businesses, not large ones. Um, you know, there's over 700 Commonwealth, state, and territory statutes which expose directors to liability where the company is deemed to, broker, to have broken the law. Um, so that's quite a large number of um, you know hurdles that, are, that a company could fall over. Um, and again, not something that just applies to large companies. Right, this is stuff that comes out of the Corporations Act, which applies to every single every single company out there. Um, you know, there's also a pretty heavy push from regulators um, to investigate and prosecute where breaches have occurred. Um, you know, the Financial Services Royal Commission really pushed us in that sort of direction. You know, there, when they were going through those findings, it was really found that the regulators didn't really do enough to prevent what happened in that sector. Um, you know, so, you know, the, the other regulators don't really want to be seen to be, you know, dropping the ball. Um, you know, we've seen pretty pretty heavy activity from um, the ACCC ASIC and the ATO, um, they've all been very active. And, and you've seen, you know, the government has increased the funding in those spaces, right? So it provides mm-hmm. the additional ability for, um, you know, those those guys who, to investigate and prosecute where it makes sense. Um, the other area where we've seen a fair bit of change recently um, is the occupational health and safety laws. Um, so that's, those have just changed in the last 12 months in both um, New South Wales and, um, and WA. Um, you know, I, I think all the other states are sort of looking at that as well. Um, it's a really good example of how regula- regulation is sort of changing and evolving. You know, both of those changes of laws were result in larger fines. Um, they both removed the insurability of fines in certain jurisdictions, you know, so really wanting to hold people to account, um, you know, ensure that there's harsher penalties for repeat offenders. So really, really, in all in all, you know, designed to ensure high level of deterrence and, and the public sentiment in these in these instances is always that someone needs to be held liable to these issues, right? And I think that's a challenge for um, that's a challenge for insureds in the sense that you know some of this may be outside their their control, um, but at the end of the day, you know they may may need to argue that in the court of law, and so that's where the having the policy in place helps provide that protection. Um, you know, the SMEs typically don't have the funds to put in place to um, you know go and pay those unplanned legal defence costs that might arise. Um, you know, these are smaller businesses, you know, so it's that cash flow protection that the policy really helps with. Um, and SMEs, you know, realistically, probably don't have um, the capacity to necessarily put level, the level of sophisticated risk management that some larger companies can afford as well. Um, so we do see SMEs, you know, probably adding more claims as a result of that um, in, in the sense that, you know, they, they can't necessarily afford to go and spend spend all that money on risk and compliance that, um, that others can when they're a bit larger
0: yeah and that's a great response and for anyone listening out there that's um, there's some fantastic hints and tips there for that when that question arises just um yeah you know definitely uh definitely great response there um is there any uh, common claims that you see um in the ml space and you know the average cost of those at the moment are they are they rising sharply, uh, especially given you know covid related incidents at the moment are we seeing a an increase um in the average claims costs um, can you Share any of Chubb's insights on that one?
1: Yeah, sure. So, we, we do see some common claims, and I've sort of touched, I guess, on the, the higher level areas um, previously. But, you know, some of the stuff we've always historically seen across the policy, you know, the regulatory investigations is a big one at the moment. I think we're seeing more and more of those um, Those becoming more common, um, probably going on for a little bit longer as well, because the regulators, again, want to be showing that they've got some end result there. Um, focus on workplace accidents um, obviously results in, in claims quite regularly um not necessarily under the management liability policy for the injury itself, but the resulting investigation that comes off the back of that. Um and that's where the, the policy helps provide those defense costs. Um employment disputes is, is a common one. I I, talked, I touched a little bit earlier on the Me Too movement and, and how that sort of impacted. You know, I think there's there's a lot there's definitely a lot of that. Um employee theft still remains our one of our bigger um, bigger loss areas on, on crime. Um you know I think that makes up close to forty percent of the the crime losses um, that we have under our policy. You know, so whilst, you know, you may feel your employee's not necessarily going to steal for you, it does happen. Um, and I'll talk to you a little bit around why that's more relevant, especially, you know, in the current COVID environment um, a little bit later. Um, social engineering fraud is a, is a common one and an evolving one. Um, you know, I think what I'll touch on there is really that these uh, criminal actors, these third parties, uh, you know, they're getting very sophisticated when it comes to, Perpetrating these frauds, you know, um, they're able to really, really replicate um, emails and and stuff like that, and make it seem like it's a genuine email, suggesting a change in bank account details, for instance. Um, so those sorts of things, you know, are quite common, and we're seeing a bit more of um, cyber and privacy claims. Look, that's something that you know there's plenty of press around, and and we really feel the regulators are pushing pretty hard in that space as well. Um, you know, I, I think you know it's been a couple of years since the the data notification uh, the entry notification laws came into place um, from that perspective you know we're definitely going to see some more activity in that in that space. Um, on the cyber side you know ransomware has become really really prevalent. Um, we do see that quite regularly um, and, and tax audits still still regularly a, a thing right I mean the government has just gone and spend a, a lot of money on the you know the jobkeeper and all the other sort of stuff. Um, so there'll always be a focus in tax audit after the government has to spend a bit, a bit of money because they have to recoup that revenue somehow, right? So, you know, doing audits and that sort of stuff is always a, a good way for them to do that, right? Um, the actual cost of claims it, it kind of varies per section. Um, you know, certain claims you, you know tend to settle a little bit earlier. Um, EPL claims, for instance, you know, some of those can go away reasonably quickly, but they're not they're not small amounts, and again, for an SME, it's, it's a decent cash flow in, hindrance, right? So. In know EPL, you know, we tend to see stuff most average claims sit between twenty-five and hundred thousand dollars, um, including, you know, that damages and defense costs. Um, you know, for crime claims, we sort of see numbers between eighty and a hundred thousand dollars. Um, you know, that they, they tend to be decent sized claims um when, when they do get perpetrated. Um, maybe not necessarily as common as the EPL claims, but um, you know, definitely sizable when they do happen. Um, the DNO claims, you know, obviously our primary section of the policy. You know, those range between $70,000 and $150,000 um, on, on average. Um, there's obviously stuff that goes well above that. Um, you know, we would expect, you know, an insolvency claim, for instance, um, you know, that, that can sometimes hit a full policy limit of, of one, to $1 to $2 million or even you know, up to 5 to $10 million, depending on the size of the organization. So, you know, those are quite substantial. Um, you know, the costs have generally continued to rise over the past few years due to increased defense costs, you know, cost of lawyers themselves, and again, like I talked about before, a, a, a lower a low willingness to settle, right? So, for instance, on the occupational health and safety, um, you know, we think that there's going to be instances where, you know, because of the harsher penalties and the fact that the, the fines themselves are now uninsurable in certain jurisdictions, that that encourages, you know, additional spend of defence costs to, you know, get to that point where you might be proven innocent um, rather than settling something and, and making it go away earlier. So. You know, there's incentives there that have sort of changed over time. Um, COVID is definitely expected to have an impact here. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be both the broader economic impact of COVID um, as, as well as claims from the resulting from the spread of COVID itself. Um, for instance, you know, at, at the start of COVID, we did see a, a bit of a fade of EPL claims um, and, and we're sort of expecting the removal of job to have a bit of an impact as well. Um, you know, fair work saw an increase of unfair dismissal claims of 43% last year that's a pretty big spike um, and that's something that would be, um, you know, potentially covered under the policy Um, increased claims um, from errors in managerial decision-making where the company is under financial stress, you know, that's where the economic impact comes in. You know, this is something we've historically seen whenever there has been economic challenges. Um, This is in Australia and and around the world, Um, you know, in those situations, you know, decision-making is not always as clean and as simple as as you'd like it to be. And sometimes mistakes are made, um, you know, and that's where the policy, again, helps protect. Um, I touched a little bit on solvency claims there as well. Now, this is not something that's covered under every single ML policy, um, but it, it is impactful um, where where it is covered, as they are quite large claims. Um, so that's, that's obviously relevant there as well. Um, we also expect to see a bit of change where the safe harbour rules that um, were put in place over COVID, as they come off, we would expect to see a bit of an increase in solvency Activity there as well with those um, creditors now being able to bring more actions than they were through the, the peak of COVID. Um, crime claims, you know, the opportunity is is one thing. Obviously, less people in the office, you know, you're not being supervised as heavily. Um, motivation is a, is another key tenet of seeing more crime claims. Um, you know, people are going to have the motivation to do so because maybe they're you know under a bit more stress or you know the, the financial stress themselves, um, and that motivates them to do something they maybe ordinarily wouldn't do. So you know, crime plans always historically rise during economic challenges, uh, when it's economically challenged. Um, And so we we expect that to be quite similar here. Um, And then probably the other thing we've seen a little bit of, occupational health and safety claims, you know, appropriate controls and procedures really should be in place to manage the risk of the spread of COVID. Um, A lot of businesses have gone and developed those controls and procedures, um, but we do expect to see a little bit of um, activity in that space where, you know, the, the various work cover or work safe um, you know, regulators, um, they're, you know, they're going to allege that that's not necessarily the case, especially if there is an outbreak on site or something like that. So, you know, plenty of activity that's um, that's ongoing and, and really reinforces the need for the policy, I think.
0: Excellent. Well, there's plenty of advice, hints and tips in all of those answers for those questions that we've just gone through. Um, you know, just the covering off the six key areas um, of the policy as well, you know, in depth in that sense was was good. Um, really interested to hear some of the uh, the average claims at the moment, the average claims costs, um, and it's definitely something that should be used by by brokers. I feel when talking to their clients, to so, you know, just to give them that sense of well, these are the average claim costs are, you know, that are that are coming in at the moment. So, you know, there is a large risk exposure here. So fantastic. Now, I know from uh, our earlier chat down that um, Chubb are just having a bit of a change in, in regards to Sunrise at the moment. Do you want to just uh, give us a brief overview on that one as well?
1: Yeah, that's right. So for, for brokers that are transacting with Chubb, we have launched our new marketplace platform, um, which is accessed via Sunrise. Um, that's available for, for management liability quotes um, now. So if you want to go and get a quote, um, please feel free to reach out via that mechanism. Um, or touch base with the local um, sales lead in, in your in your local office.
0: Excellent. And um, on that note, I'm going to thank you for your time today, Darren. Um, just to, you know, talking to us about management liability and how it's an insurance for businesses of all size. Um, and thanks to our network for tuning in. Um, you can access more management liability learning resources via the hub in the management liability broker kit bank the marketing tools and resources to help you sell management liability to your clients access the management liability custom kit bag in the hub and remember you can follow us on LinkedIn Facebook and Spotify so for uh so until next time um I'll leave it there